You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news of fire at Horseshoe Bay that's damaging a number of boats. Viewer video shows thick black smoke billowing from Sewell's Marina near the ferry terminal just after 3.30 this afternoon. At least three boats have been damaged, including a sailboat and a powerboat. The area is very smoky. Someone was working on the engine of one boat when the fire started and then jumped to two neighboring vessels. British Columbians need to hold the line in the fight against COVID-19. That's the message the provincial health officer hammered home once again today, particularly for travelers who must self-isolate when returning to Canada. No grocery shopping when they get home. If not, there are fears any bend in the curve we're seeing now will stop. Dr. Bonnie Henry confirming 29 new cases today for a total of 1,203 people who have tested positive. Three more people have died, bringing our province's total to 38. And 23 long-term facilities in B.C. now have confirmed outbreaks. Kristen Robinson has more from today's briefing. We need to be united, all of us, in stopping the transmission of this virus now. Saturday's increase in new COVID-19 cases, the lowest we've seen in weeks. But B.C.'s top doctor says we can't let our guard down. This is our time where we need to keep our firewall strong. 149 people now hospitalized, 68 of them in intensive care. 704 patients, or 58% of all cases, have recovered. Dr. Bonnie Henry stressing the importance of mandatory self-isolation if you are sick or returning to Canada. There's a federal quarantine order now that you must immediately self-isolate for 14 days from the moment you arrive here in British Columbia, whether it's at the airport or land border, and without question and without exception. To date, close to 10,000 Canadians have been repatriated. Friends and family urged to help returning travelers in quarantine by ensuring they don't use public transit to get home from the airport, buying and dropping off groceries for them, and keeping in touch via virtual visits. We need as a community to support people to do this. On top of fears about travelers obeying federal health orders upon their return home, the virus continues to enter BC long-term care homes. This could um, take a turn um, for the worse for us in the, in the coming week in particular, but I am heartened that we are seeing that, that decrease in acceleration. Although the curve of new cases seems to be bending, the provincial health officer says our risk remains very high. We are in the thick of it, and we must hold our line. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, Dr. Henry telling us again today, now is not the time to relax our safety mm -hmm. measures, but it's looking like we're going to be dealing with some kind of restrictions for some time. Indeed, and one of those restrictions is the use of hospitals. And one of the questions I get over and over again from people, it's not when the pandemic is going to be over, because nobody knows the answer to that, of course, but it's when will elective surgeries once again be on the table in B.C.? When will hospitals return to their normal footing? More than 4,000 beds have been vacated to make way for what could be a surge in COVID-19 victims. We haven't seen that surge yet, but uh, we asked Dr. Bonnie Henry about that, about rescheduling surgeries, and she says, not yet, the next two weeks are critical. Here she is. 
the concern that during our respiratory season, um, the next fall, that we'll start to see it increasing naturally again, even if um, the, the measures that we've taken are in place. So we need to uh, we need to watch that carefully. We don't know for sure how this virus is going to behave, but that's what other respiratory viruses do on a cyclical basis. So that was a slightly different uh, clip than I had anticipated. What she was talking about there was the second wave of this flu, because flus come in waves. And the second wave, uh, she hopes, is less serious than the one we're seeing now. But uh, that's why restrictions may be in place for some time. If that second wave proves to be problematic, uh, the restrictions could even become more onerous. Now, no briefing tomorrow, folks. Uh, back on Monday at 1.30 over here in Victoria, Bonnie Henry will be joined by uh, uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix for the latest numbers. So until then, keep washing your hands and keep your social distance from everybody. Everybody, two meters minimum, and we'll see you on uh, tomorrow night. All right. Thanks so much, Keith. The Coral Princess cruise ship with 97 Canadian passengers and two Canadian crew members on board arrived in Miami this morning. Princess Cruises says it could be several days before everyone can disembark due to limited flights, but guests who are fit to fly may be able to board planes as early as tomorrow. Anyone feeling ill or experiencing respiratory issues will remain on board until they are medically cleared by the ship's doctors. It's believed 13 people on that ship have tested positive for COVID-19 and two people have died, though those deaths are not known to be necessarily related to COVID. There are almost 1,900 people on board, including a couple from Maple Ridge. U.S. President Donald Trump doubled down today on keeping American-made N95 masks in America. And that's despite pushback from manufacturer 3M warning that could do more harm than good. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's not looking at retaliatory measures. And now a Vancouver Island company that produces a key ingredient in protective equipment says they're doing their part, but have no part in the 3M battle. Nadia Stewart explains. It is a cross-border debate over coveted masks, with U.S. President Donald Trump insisting N95 masks distributed by 3M not be shipped to Canada. We need the masks. We don't want other people getting it. That's why we're, that's why we're instituting a lot of Defense Production Act. You could call it retaliations because that's what it is. It's a retaliation. President Trump says the administration is in talks with 3M. Meanwhile, the company confirms it received a directive from the White House to stop exporting N95 masks, something it says would not be wise. Demand for the specialized masks is up in Canada and around the world as the pandemic continues its spread and pressure mounts on healthcare workers on the front lines. We've had extremely constructive conversations with the Americans. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the Canadian government is working with its neighbour and suppliers around the world to meet the needs of medical professionals here. As for navigating this trade war brewing to the south. Uh, we are not looking at uh, retaliatory measures or uh, measures that are punitive. Uh, we know that it is in both of our interests to continue to work uh, collaboratively and cooperatively, for cooperatively to keep our citizens safe. At least for now, some good news is medical supplies produced here in B.C. do not appear to be caught in the middle of this debate. We don't supply to 3M or make a product that goes into the 
N95 masks. But they do produce a specialized material that goes into surgical masks, gowns and other medical products, all of which are still in demand. Levi Sampson of Nanaimo's Harmac Mill is hopeful both the U.S. and Canada will be able to find a way to work together. Wherever medical supplies are being made and making their way to the front lines right now, that's what we should be focusing on. Nadia Stewart, Global News. TransLink is slashing service again and delaying this summer's fare increase due to a more than 80% drop in ridership. Starting Monday, C-Bus will sail every 30 minutes and buses will reduce service on lower ridership routes. As of Wednesday, there will be fewer West Coast Express departures as well. And in an unprecedented move, the 20 to 25 cent single-use fare hike scheduled for July 1st will be deferred. Since mid-March, C-Bus ridership is down 90%. West Coast Express is down 95%. And bus boardings are down 82%. TransLink says further service cuts may be necessary. As of yet, there have not been layoffs. At this stage, what we're doing is reallocating and repurposing uh, the workforce. So we are putting people into different roles, into scheduling roles and so forth. We are looking forward to see what adjustments we may have to make in the future. But our trajectory right now is one that we are going to need funding support. Um, and so that's why those representations are being made uh, to the federal government. TransLink is losing tens of millions of dollars each month due to dropping ridership, free fares on buses and a 60 percent decrease in fuel tax revenue since fewer people are driving. The mayor of Esquimalt is pleading with her community to buckle down and follow provincial orders after social distancing scoff laws were out in force last weekend. No gatherings, please. It is in our control as to how long this is going to go on. Each and every one of us is responsible for helping out and shortening how this is going. We have it in us to make it last a shorter time period by following those orders. So enjoy your weekend. It's okay to get out. Just stay away from each other. Barb Desjardins' message comes after Victoria's police chief took to Twitter earlier this week to call out physical distancing offenders. Victoria police officers responded to nine noise complaints last weekend, including several house parties and a group gathering at Saks Point Park in Esquimalt. The health sick nation on B.C.'s central coast is echoing Dr. Henry's order telling tourists to stay away during the pandemic. They've been monitoring private vessels and ferry traffic in and out of their community. The First Nation says two U.S. sailboats passed through Friday en route to Alaska. And some Canadian pleasure boats have also been seen in the waters off Bella Bella. The community of 1,400 has very limited resources should someone become sick. And 200 of its residents are elders. We have a history of pandemics and losing, you know, devastating numbers, you know, in our communities over the last 100 years, 100 plus years. So for now, we're doing everything that we can to, to make sure that we're protecting our communities. So message to visitors is don't come to Bella Bella right now. You know, now it's not the time for a visit, you know, stay home because we will not be permitting people into our community that are non-essential. 
The Apex Trail at Knox Mountain Park is now one way only until further notice. Hikers can now only use Apex Trail to climb up the mountain and Knox Mountain Drive to go back down. Signage is in place. The change is an effort to encourage physical distancing. Knox Mountain Drive is closed to vehicle traffic. A week after search and rescue crews warned adventure seekers to stay home, the number of rescue calls is down. Not surprising. The BC Search and Rescue Association is thanking the public for helping to reduce call volumes by 45% this week over the same time last year. SAR volunteers who must follow a COVID-19 protocol sounded the alarm after noticing the pandemic protocols were not stopping outdoor enthusiasts from venturing out. Everyone in BC, including 2,500 search and rescue team members, is supposed to be self-isolating. And any rescue call puts volunteers at greater risk of being exposed to the virus. Well, planes don't make money on the ground. So when you see how many are parked at YVR these days, the crisis facing the airline industry becomes very clear. This is normally a busy runway, but now it is a long-term storage lot for seven WestJet 737s. There are also several Air Canada and Air Transat jets parked at the airport. Passenger traffic through YVR has dropped so much in recent weeks that both the A and B piers in the domestic terminal are no longer in use. A woman has now been charged with killing her sister in Coquitlam. The body of 36-year-old Ivy Chen was found in Minicata National Regional Park rather, on March 10th after Mounties were called to a suspicious fire. Her sister, Pen Jung Tracy Chen, was arrested at the scene and charged with indignity to a dead body. She's been in custody ever since. Well, now she's been charged with first-degree murder and is set to appear in court on April 6th. The Union of Canadian Correctional Officers confirms two inmates at Mission Institution have tested positive for COVID-19. It's now under lockdown to try to limit the spread. The union says supplies of personal protective equipment for its members who need to interact with infected prisoners is running low. The union is calling on the federal government to provide test kits for essential staff who are deemed at risk. An inmate at the Okanagan Correctional Centre in Oliver has also tested positive. As you've seen tonight and for the last few weeks, not everyone is complying with measures to flatten the curve. The Vancouver Park Board is now introducing a new program to promote physical distancing. People wearing brightly colored vests are part of the Champions program. They'll be deployed throughout some of the busiest locations at Vancouver's beaches and parks, including the seawall. They'll make sure the public is adhering to the physical distancing rules. For now, the beaches and parks remain open, but if we continue to see people gather in groups, we will be forced to take other measures, uh, perhaps even looking at closing further public spaces. We're doing everything we can to avoid that because we think it's very important that people have a balance in their life during this stressful time. Residents of another beachside community are also calling for help. It seems despite provincial and civic social distancing decrees, the number of visitors just keeps going up. As Julia Foy reports, some at Crescent Beach want Surrey City Council to shut the doors to visitors during the pandemic. We see the cars coming, a steady stream. Several residents of Crescent Beach and Surrey are furious that every weekend, masses of people come to the small community to enjoy the views and walk the beach. The path is not wide enough for the masses of people 
to stay the two meter distance from one another. Surrey's new COVID-19 compliance and enforcement team say they have been patrolling Crescent Beach. And last Sunday, March 29th, they report it was busy, but people seem to be doing distancing of staying two meters apart. But residents say when the sun shines, the trouble starts. Just the start of the season down here. Uh, when it's sunny here and a little warmer, it's just incredibly busy. And it's just going to get worse. Two weeks ago, the mayor of White Rock was so concerned about growing crowds, the pier and public parking lots were closed. On the North Shore, the community of Deep Cove announced they've closed their public parkings as well. Crescent Beach homeowners want the same thing to happen here. I want the mayor and council to close that gate. Close the park down. People come here because they know they can get here and park. They know they can't do that in White Rock. Why are we the only ones open? This week, Surrey launched a physical distancing campaign to help spread the message. But to date, there are no plans to close public access to the beach community. Residents want people to stay home in their neighborhoods. Not forever, just until we get this under control. It's not a big ask, but it's a, it's a must. Julia Foy, Global News. A touching tribute outside a Providence funeral home in Penticton. Eli McPhail with the Okanagan Youth Pipe Band volunteered his services to the funeral home, which organized the online performance as a tribute to all of the people who have died recently and could not be honored with a funeral or memorial service because of COVID-19 protocols. For us, it's extremely important that everybody be memorialized in some way, and the bagpipes do that wonderfully. The tributes will continue with a member of the Okanagan Youth Pipe Band putting on a performance in front of the funeral home every Friday starting at 4.30. They will be live streamed on the Penticton Providence Funeral homepage on Facebook. Teachers from a school in Langley came up with a unique way to connect with their students. Pupils from Gordon Greenwood Elementary and Walnut Grove gathered outside their homes as teachers strove past their cars covered in balloons and banners. The purpose of the parade? To bring kids and teachers together at a safe distance. Teachers say with pupils not physically attending school for a while, they wanted to remind kids that they have not been forgotten. How nice. U.S. President Donald Trump is removing the inspector general who flagged the Ukraine whistleblower complaint, which led to his impeachment. Trump informed Congress of his decision to fire Michael Atkinson on Friday night, according to a letter obtained by NBC News. Trump wrote in the letter that it's, quote, vital that he has confidence in the appointees serving as inspectors general and that that is no longer the case. The firing is set to take effect May 3rd. Atkinson is a Trump appointee who was confirmed in 2018. There are more than a quarter million people in the United States suffering from coronavirus. The death toll, over 7,000 and rising rapidly. While self-isolation and social distancing are still considered the best defense, the U.S. Center for Disease Control is urging all Americans, especially those in hotspots, to wear non-medical masks, a recommendation the president says he will not follow. 
After days of debate, the federal government is now recommending Americans wear a non-surgical mask or face covering in public. After the CDC added talking to its list of how the coronavirus spreads, even among those not showing any symptoms. 41 states across the country are under stay-at-home orders as new hotspots are emerging in New Jersey, Michigan and Florida, where they just issued the mandate late this week. New York still hangs on to the grim title of being the nation's epicenter, with more than 100,000 positive cases and nearly 3,000 deaths after the highest single-day spike so far. And more first responders are falling ill. One out of every four FDNY EMS member is out sick. 17% of firefighters are also on medical leave. Governor Andrew Cuomo signed an executive order Friday, allowing the state and National Guard to take and reassign critical medical supplies, including ventilators, to areas in the state that need it most. I'm not going to let people die because we didn't uh, redistribute ventilators. We don't want to be your body bags. Healthcare workers at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City staging a demonstration Friday demanding personal protective equipment like gowns and face masks so they don't have to see another colleague die. They're putting all of us at risk every single day. In response, Mount Sinai officials put out a statement saying, in addition to the resources provided by the city, state and federal government, we are continuing to move heaven and earth to ensure our healthcare staff have access to proper PPE. And after taking heat for sitting nearly empty all week, the Navy announcing overnight that patients screened for the USNS Comfort will no longer require a negative COVID-19 test before seeking treatment. But the dark details of this public health emergency have put the spotlight on the goodwill of others, like New York City police officers delivering meals to medical staff, saying our uniforms may be different, but our mission is the same. In Russia, central Moscow was deserted today on the first weekend after Russian President Vladimir Putin extended a national holiday in the country until April 30th. Moscow, the epicenter of Russia's outbreak, has only been in lockdown since Monday. Many regions across the country have since imposed similar measures. On Thursday, Putin said decisive measures by Russia had helped to buy time in its battle to contain the virus and to prevent an explosive growth in cases. According to Russian authorities, there are only 4,700 confirmed cases nationwide and just 34 reported deaths. Russia also said it has temporarily suspended all flights in and out of the country to limit the possibility of a new wave of COVID infections. And the country's coronavirus operational center said the suspension applied to all charter flights bringing Russians home and carrying foreign citizens out. Russia suspended all regular international flights on March 27th, but had said that flights for repatriating citizens would continue. That is not the case. Cars, trains and ships sounded their horns across China today as part of a three-minute moment of reflection to honor those who have died from COVID-19. The virus was first detected in Wuhan, China in December. Since then, more than 3,300 people have died across the country. More than 64,000 have died worldwide. 170 countries have reported more than a million people are infected, but there's a handful of isolated nations untouched by the pandemic. 
According to data from John Hopkins University, 18 countries have not reported a single case of COVID-19. Many of them are remote islands in the South Pacific, including Samoa, Tonga, and Vanuatu. But there's concern some countries on the list, like North Korea and Yemen, likely have unreported cases. Oprah Winfrey has donated $10 million towards coronavirus relief efforts. Winfrey made the announcement on social media. Her donation will help in the cities she grew up in. A portion of the money is being spent, sent to America's Food Fund to help feed the impact, those impacted by the virus. The news of her charity comes after a record 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment. Pop star Pink says she and her three-year-old son had tested positive for COVID-19. In two tweets, the singer says she and her son started showing symptoms about two weeks ago. She now says both have been tested, retested that is, and both are negative. She is donating half a million dollars to emergency funds. Spanish police helped an elderly woman celebrate her 90th birthday in quarantine in her apartment. Police used their sirens, sang happy birthday, and applauded her from the street below. In recent days, the death toll in Spain from the coronavirus outbreak has risen beyond 10,000 with more than 1,100, pardon me, more than 1,100,000 confirmed cases. My goodness. In Health Matters tonight, scientists in Australia are studying a widely available drug normally used to combat head lice as a possible COVID treatment. They found the antiparasitic drug ivermectin could stop the COVID-19 cells from replicating in laboratories within 48 hours. The drug has been around for at least 30 years and has been used to treat parasites, including lice, worms, and scabies. But human trials still need to be done to determine the optimal dosage and Australian authorities warn people against self-medicating. I would describe it as cautiously optimistic. Um, I think if and when we uh, get ivermectin into people with COVID, that's when we need to monitor really, really carefully. Um, And I think if we can do that uh, and reassure ourselves that it's really working, then I think we will know that, yes, we have something that really, you know, can make a difference. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. We have an update on some breaking news. Two boats are destroyed and a third has been damaged by a fire in Horseshoe Bay. Have a look at this. It started late this afternoon. Two people were on board one pleasure craft when it caught fire. They escaped unhurt. The flames spread to two other boats docked at Sewell's Marina. Still no word on how it started. West Vancouver firefighters had to unroll hundreds of meters of hose to get to the flames. The Vancouver fireboat was also called in and responded within 25 minutes. They can supply a lot of water, so uh, uh, we would have eventually been able to get it out, but it, it goes out a lot faster with, uh, with a fireboat on scene. Anybody hurt? No, there was no one hurt at this fire. An emotional goodbye to a, oh, about 700-pound sea lion. The incredible effort of the Vancouver Aquarium will have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. Yeah, 700 pounds. Yeah, it's pretty light. <laughs> Chunky monkey. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Lots of love to give. No kidding. All right. 
This is pretty nice because yes, it started it off with more cloud cover this morning. It's brightened up. We may see more cloud cover. We are anticipating it this evening. And I'll have more on Sunday's forecast and our long range because temperatures are really going to start to bump up and warm up over the next little while. A beautiful shot overlooking the North Shore Mountains. Temperatures are sitting at 8. We've got a northwesterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour and a few breaks out of the airport as well. A couple of photos of physical distancing. This one from Francois Late. So thank you so much, Carla, for sending this great shot. And a great shot that was captured captured on Clearbrook Road. So thank you, Phyllis and Abbotsford, with a great sign that's out thanking the essential workers. And thank you, whoever made that as well. Uh, we had a very chilly start. I wanted to show you some of the lows today. For example, Dawson Creek started off at minus 30.2. The old record was minus 26.8, and that was back in 2002. It was chilly for Chetwin, starting off at minus 26 in Smithers, tying an old record that was back in 2002. So very chilly for many areas. Bumping up today, but we're still below the average. Average Metro Vancouver 9 is the high. We typically get up to 12 degrees. The northeastern corners of the province today climbed up to minus 5. Here's a quick glance as we look ahead towards the morning hours. We will have a fair bit of cloud cover overnight for the morning hours. And then it should start to ease off as we approach the afternoon. For the south coast, some breaks that will likely be late in the afternoon and approaching the evening. And still some instability for much of the southern interior and pushing into the southeastern corners of the province. With the potential to see some flurries, especially for higher elevations. Chilly tonight, an overnight low down to 4. Tomorrow morning starting off at 7 by the afternoon. So it's late in the day that we'll start to see some breaks, but it is going to be dry as we round off the weekend for Sunday. Most areas near the peace, clear skies overnight, wind chill for the morning hours, feeling closer to minus 21. Whitehorse tomorrow, wind chill at minus 16, a few flurries popping up on Monday, rebounding very quickly on Tuesday. Northern half of the province, a partly cloudy sky. It's on Monday, a few isolated showers, not much in terms of accumulation. Caribou and central interior, a mainly sunny sky. Temperatures will start to improve looking ahead on Monday. Columbia and Kootenai, we will see it for higher elevations, some Flurries in the mix, a few spots, even a chance of showers, a clearing on the way from Monday, and temperatures really do start to warm up for all areas across the province, even getting up to 16. Tops in Okanagan, higher elevations, flurries, most areas near the valley bottoms will still see a chance of showers. And Whistler, morning cloud cover, a clearing by the afternoon. Temperatures getting into the double digits for early next week. And all areas across the island will be looking at morning cloud cover, a break even as early as the afternoon. Metro Vancouver, five-day forecast. Cloud cover for tomorrow morning, a chilly start at four by the afternoon, 11. Late day, a nice break. And then the plan so far, Colleen, looking pretty fantastic. Wow. Areas away from the water. Look at Wednesday, Thursday. Check it out. We could even get up to 18 and 19 what? degrees. Paired with sunshine, it is going to be very pleasant and nice and hot as we get into next week. No kidding. All right. Thank you so much, Yvonne. A happy and emotional send-off for a California sea lion who has been released back into the ocean this week after being brought into the Vancouver Aquarium Marine Mammal Rescue Center this winter. That's good. Sorry, you guys. Archie was discovered last November near Powell River, suffering from horrific injuries from crossbows and a gunshot. Yeah, he was severely dehydrated, underweight, and suffering from vision problems due to his injuries. After intensive rehabilitation and medical treatment, Archie pulled through. He has now been released near Crescent Beach in Surrey. Tremendous amount of healing had to be done. A couple of major procedures to fix him up. It's been a long road for him. He started out in such terrible shape, all because of humans. Mm, I'm so glad to hear he's doing well. Um, 
There you are. Oh, it's going. <gasps> Where are my friends? <laughs> there they <laughs> are. Here. Archie is a big boy. Archie's Very. A big, yeah, 700 back, pounds. Back to his weight now. That's good yeah. to see. Yeah, it's hard for him to sneak up on people, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Barry, what do you got coming up? Well, uh, President Trump had a big, con- he's a big sports fan, had a big conference call with uh, the 12 commissioners of uh, all the major sports leagues, certainly in North America and certainly reaching around the world, including uh, Gary Bettman and the president, shockingly, kind of had some maybe surprising things to say, but he expects to see sports back, so we'll talk about that. And, of course, uh, the COVID-19 has had such an effect in all businesses, including a lot of uh, amateur sport organizations, especially ones with those big lease payments. That's been a problem for businesses, so we'll explore that as well. All righty. Thanks so much, Barry. It may come as no surprise, but it will no doubt be a disappointment to tulip lovers. Two popular springtime flower festivals in the Fraser Valley have now been canceled. The popular tulip festivals in Abbotsford and Chilliwack won't be opening to the public this year due to COVID-19. Typically, the month of April would be the busiest time for both events. The festival cancellations were both announced yesterday, with organizers citing provincial health regulations restricting gatherings of more than 50 people. And the Concord Pacific Dragon Boat Festival has been postponed due to the pandemic. Organizers say the decision to postpone the long-awaited, the long-running event was made with the safety of the public and participants in mind. This year's festival, which typically takes over the waters of False Creek, will go ahead in September. Well, for many, working from home and practicing physical distancing has become the norm. That has more and more of us using video calling for work and for our personal lives to stay connected. But as the weeks go by, some are finding it exhausting to keep up with their daily video calls. Charmaine Sumani has more on what's being called screen fatigue. This is our current reality during the COVID-19 pandemic. But as weeks go by in isolation, some people are finding it exhausting to keep up with their daily video calls, whether it's for work or for their personal lives. Not all of us are emotionally equipped to be on all the time. And so when we're constantly needing to connect with one another, whether for work or whether we're being encouraged to do that just to stay well, um, that can also bring about feelings of anxiety for a lot of people, especially for those who are working from home who are on the same computer or same tablet that they're then connecting with friends with later. It can be really hard to let yourself move from work brain to social brain to resting brain. Um, And so it's really important to create some of those boundaries as well. So how do we achieve more balance in our new reality and create those boundaries? You're allowed to say no. Um, And so choose Choose the people you want to connect with, choose the methods you want to connect with them, and know that you don't need to connect with everyone every single day, and on some days you don't need to connect with anyone. It's important to differentiate between the quantity of screen time and the quality of screen time. The most harmful form of screen time is mindlessly scrolling through Facebook or the internet. In contrast, there are active, engaged forms of screen time. For example, if you were to watch the nightly news and discuss that with your partner. Alani and Sherry both agree that during this time, finding balance is key. Balance means something different to each individual. Some may need more time to disconnect from technology than others. They say you should listen to your body and assess which virtual interaction and how much of it makes you feel positive emotions and cut down on the ones that bring about negative feelings. 
Sharmin Samani, Global News. Okay, this jockey just watched himself lose the first ever virtual Grand National Britain's annual horse race. Took on a lockdown-friendly format this year. Forty computer-generated riders and horses competed with an algorithm placing Potter's Corner in first place. All the profits from that, from all the betting, were donated to the National Health Service. Barry, you gotta love it. And the best part? No stalls to muck. Uh, I suppose, yes. Well... A lot of people enjoy doing that thing. It's therapeutic, I, I suppose. Yeah. Not myself. All right. Thanks, Colleen. All right. Uh, American President Donald Trump met with 12 major sports commissioners today on a conference call, including NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Trump, according to ESPN, believes the NFL season can start on time in September and that big crowds could be in place by August at other sporting events. It's optimistic. That is for sure. Is it realistic? we probably won't know for at least a few more months. Meanwhile, the NBA has announced its Hall of Fame class of 2020. Leading the way is the late, great Kobe Bryant. Kobe, of course, was killed in a helicopter crash January 26th. He's the fourth all-time scorer in NBA history. Joining Kobe, Tim Duncan, the San Antonio Spurs star center, who won five NBA titles and two MVPs. And Kevin Garnett played 21 NBA seasons, won a title in Boston in 08. Here's Kobe's wife, Vanessa, on her husband going into the hall. Obviously, we wish that he was here with us um, to celebrate, um, but it's definitely the peak of his NBA career and um, and every accomplishment that he had as an athlete was a stepping stone to be here. So um, we're incredibly proud of him. Well, it's been trying times for all businesses, literally trying to find a way to stay alive during unprecedented times. And included in that group are amateur sporting organizations, especially ones that lease their training space, such as gymnastics clubs. Everything is on hold for now, except for those monthly lease payments, which could put these clubs out of business permanently. Adrian Arnold literally helped get rhythmic gymnastics started in BC over 30 years ago. But now her clubs and many others are empty, forced to move out all of their equipment because they can't afford to make the lease payment. The key still works as landlords and tenants try to navigate this exceptional circumstance. But with no money coming in for what's likely many months, there's not much hope they can keep this space until things return to normal. Very sympathetic understanding. However, he, they, their, their bottom line is they want their lease payment April 1st. The landlords didn't want to appear on camera, but in a statement from their attorneys said they are trying to work with tenants on a case-by-case basis. But as of now, there's been no progress of any sort on a compromise. It's a similar situation in Chilliwack, where Kate Kluse has leased this space for over three years with no issues. But they too have moved out all of their things. Their landlord says if it's still available, they can return. But if not, she's out a lot of money for initial renovations they made to the space. It was about $80,000 that my business partner and I put in. So that will be money that we will not be able to recover ever. Beyond the incredible financial stress is an emotional realization that this labor of love could be gone. These kinds of sports organizations barely survive at the best of times. Rebuilding it could be a daunting task.
The recovery for sport, especially girls' sport, is going to be long. It's going to take families a while to be able to um, be able to afford to put their kids back in programs and for them to feel safe to do so. So um, we need to basically shut down entirely for about six months. We need to not have any payments and um, probably till October 1st. I've been um, a volunteer in building this sport in, in BC for 30 years now. I was the second club ever and I brought many coaches from Europe. Um, they started with our club. They now own clubs of their own. It's, and some of them are going out of business. They are both hoping that government can step in and help rebuild their businesses, giving them and the kids that sport experience that's so important in their lives. Many of the businesses are going to be struggling over the next short while, um, but we think that we can be a part of rebuilding an entire community, rebuilding this specific area, rebuilding Chilliwack, rebuilding BC um, by providing that service. So we, we hope we have the opportunity to try to be a part of that rebuilding. I'm so passionate about those sports and hopefully they will all return when things get back to normal, whatever that is. Whatever that is, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and she mentioned hoping that government will help out. Well, we're all government. I'm hoping there are some nice philanthropists out there who might want to step up. Let's help each other, too. yeah, no yeah, kidding. We shall see. Thanks, Barry. Every night on the Global News Hour at 6, we are thanking our BC healthcare heroes, those on the front lines of the COVID fight. Yvonne, a lot of nominations are coming in for sure. Yeah, lots to go through in the inbox. So thank you everyone for sending in the great nominations. Tonight, our BC healthcare hero is Megan, who works on the front line at Kelowna General Hospital in the COVID-19 ward. Thank you, Megan, and all your co-workers. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, send a picture or a short video to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. And remember to include some information on what makes them your hero. Nice. Great shot, too. Okay, these days, um, we think of singing happy birthday as a way to time out how long we need to wash our hands, right? We've all done that. Yes, twice. Twice. twice yeah. Good girl. Okay, <laughs> but there's another reason for singing the song. Happy birthday to you. This group of friends had planned to celebrate one of their big birthdays at a restaurant, but obviously they can't do that. So instead, they all met at a parking lot near Barnston Island and held a tailgate party of sorts. We loved it. It's, you know, as an option, right? Um, social distance birthday party, we call it. Right. Better than nothing. Break from the kids. Yeah, we need a little break from the kids, right? Awesome. Just for an hour. It feels good, you know, mentally, physically. <laughs> I just mentally, physically. I just love that they all have hatchbacks. Yes. That's very convenient. They can all camp to, out. used to do that way back uh, when I was a teenager, back in the last century. Right. <laughs> used to do that, but uh, maybe not quite as rated G as they had, you know, with a couple of beers. It was no, fun, fun times. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yvonne. Quick recap of that spectacular forecast. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We have a bit of cloud cover that is going to creep in. That'll just be for tomorrow morning and then breaks. But a dry day for Sunday, and then it's really Monday onwards. We've got plenty of sunshine, temperatures away from the water, potentially warming up to 18, 19 degrees. So we've got lots of sunshine in the forecast, just a bit of cloud cover for tomorrow. All right, thanks so much. Jordan is here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe.